Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Hi, everyone. It's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Founder, and today we are celebrating a very special episode. It is number 100. I felt that Susie Sarich, who is the founder of Susie Cakes, was the perfect guest for today as the mission of her company is to connect through celebration, and I want to celebrate with you. So share this episode in your stories on Instagram, tag Lindsay Pinchuk, tag at Dear Founder. I'll be surprising three people with cakes sent straight to your door from the one, the only, Susie Cakes. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for listening twice a week for almost an entire year. Today is a really special episode because as I said, we're celebrating 100 episodes of Dear Founder, 100 conversations with some of the most incredible female founders and entrepreneurs of our time. I honestly, I can't believe it because just a little over a year ago, I decided that I actually wanted to start a podcast and one to support and celebrate female founders and aspiring entrepreneurs. I really wanted to create a show that I had wished I had 12 years ago when I became an entrepreneur and founded my first company. And now here we are. We're 100 episodes in and 130 130 conversations had. I am working my butt off to get the rest of those episodes out as quickly as I can before I start recording for season two. But truthfully, some of the episodes we recorded this year are going to appear in season two. I've had conversations, like I said, with some of the most successful female founders of our time. Last year, I made a bucket list of guests that I wanted to have, and well, I'm going to have to create a new list for 2023 because I only have one left on that list to interview here on Dear Founder, and just last week, she agreed to an interview with me. We're setting it up, and fingers crossed that it happens soon. But none of this, none of this would have been possible without all of you, each and every one of our listeners. You tune in twice a week. You converse with me on social media. You ask me questions. You've attended my workshops. You've hired me for both coaching and consulting services. You share the episodes with your friends. You rate and review us so that other people can find the show. Without you and your dedication to my mission, which is to help as many female founders as possible to found, grow, scale, and even sell their businesses, we wouldn't be here. I know that you have so many choices when it comes to podcasts, and I am over the moon and floored that you choose mine and that you continuously choose mine each and every week. And to my guests, 
each and every one of you. My mind is blown with every single conversation. Thank you for agreeing to come on my show. Thank you for sharing my show. Thank you for supporting my show and for supporting me. This podcast has truly connected me with some of the most incredible women to ever come in my life. And for that alone, I will forever be grateful. Today, for this special episode, we are celebrating, and you will hear me talk about my love for Susie Cakes during today's conversation. But I chose this episode in this conversation because the mission of Susie Cakes is connecting through celebration, and I couldn't imagine a more perfect guest. Susie Sarich is a founder who's created a business from her grandma's, both of her grandma's legacies. My grandparents also played a huge role in creating me, so talking to Susie Sarich about her company and where she came from felt only right for today's conversation. You'll hear me say a little bit at the end of our conversation, but I do want to say it here that I was really lucky that two of my grandparents saw my success with my first company. They were forever proud. They were forever asking me about what was going on with my business, and they were so incredibly supportive. But neither of them saw my 2.0 or where I am today with this podcast, and I know that they would love it. I know that they would sit in their apartment together, and they would listen to it, and they would call me, and they would say, Linny, we want to ask you some questions about your guest. So I just wanted to take a minute to dedicate today's 100th episode to my grandpa, Dave and my grandma Ruth Schaefer for instilling in me the notion that you never give up and you always have to keep going no matter what. So on to today's guest. Susan Sarich is famous for creating Susie Cakes, one of California's top destinations for satisfying the sweet tooth. Susan is a 25-year veteran of the hospitality industry. Upon graduation from Cornell University School of Hotel Administration, she grew her hospitality career with a variety of renowned hospitality groups. But she noticed that women were leaving hospitality around the time that they were getting married and starting families. And so she set out to create a place that women could work without feeling the need to leave hospitality when life's demands changed. Combining her business-savvy expertise with the treasured 3 by 5 recipe cards passed down from her grandmothers, Mildred and Madeline, she opened Susie Cakes in the Brentwood neighborhood of Los Angeles in 2006, bringing old-fashioned, classic Midwest desserts such as layer cakes, pies, cookies, and cupcakes to the West Coast. The company has since steadily expanded throughout California and Texas with brick-and-mortar locations for a total of 26 locations, and recently she's launched nationwide shipping. In October 2022, Susan was included in Forbes' 50 Over 50 list, dedicated to spotlighting women over the age of 50 who are shattering age and gender norms across every sector of business, politics, the sciences, and society. Today's conversation is so special for so many reasons, and I am beyond excited to introduce to you the one, the only, Susie Sarich. Come on in for Dear Founders' 100th episode. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am beyond stoked about today's guest because I have been consuming her cakes for quite some time. I used to go to the West Coast to get some of her Midwest comfort deliciousness, and I haven't been in a long time. So when 
I was able to interview Susan Sarich, who is the founder and CEO of Suzy Cakes. I jumped at the opportunity and she is here today. And I'm so excited to meet you. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for that warm introduction. Of course. I mean, seriously, your cakes are amazing and we're going to talk about it. But I I mean, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? I I am. I am a big like traditional vanilla with um, chocolate buttercream. That's what like if I go anywhere, that's what I like. So and I like a little sprinkle on it. Yeah. I mean, that's just you know, the kid. Yeah. But um, so welcome to Dear Founder. And I would love for you to kick us off by sharing your incredible story with us. Okay. Well, I grew up in the Midwest and the story starts in Chicago. Both of my grandmothers, Mildred and Madeline, lived across the LA from each other. And my dad was a firefighter. So he worked those 24 seven shifts. And I spent a lot of time at both of their homes and they were, they raised me practically. And they were first generation immigrants, one from Poland, one from Italy. And they really, their whole purpose was to, you know, make their family have more than they had and more opportunities. And they instilled in me, you know, not only those Midwest values of work hard and be nice to be people, but they, and you could do anything you want, like just because, you know, we are homemakers, you can do anything you want in this world. You have to believe in yourself. And so I would come home after school and there'd be these like great oatmeal cookies or, you know, get dropped off on a Saturday morning and there'd be, you know, some awesome, you know, coffee cake. And, and the time spent at the kitchen table with these two women, you know, of that greatest generation who really are self were selfless. And I think when a lot of us think about our grandparents, um, how hard they worked for everything they had and how much they cared for their, you know, family first, always family first. And so I was fortunate in that we spent time in the kitchen, always had great desserts. And of course we had all the, you know, great Italian stuff like cannolis and the Polish stuff like latchkey cookies. But at that time, everybody was trying to be very American, if that makes sense. And so the straightforward um, apple pie, chocolate cake with chocolate frosting, you know, all the staples, brownies um, were what we were eating. So got to enjoy those. And I, I loved the, the piece about sharing baked goods as a connector, right? And so to this day, the the mission of the company is connecting through celebration because, you know, a piece of cake or a cookie or something, you know, to me, it equals love. I don't know, you know, maybe obviously I feel more passionately about that than most people, but I think there's something that when you share something, especially that somebody made, um, it feels really special. So fast forward, I knew I wanted to be in the hospitality industry, um, from, from a young age. I just remember, you know, um, taking, you know, coats and giving coat check numbers on Christmas and, you know, taking drink orders on, on Thanksgiving. And, um, we grew up, you know, pretty humbly. And, um, so our vacations would be like the holiday in, in, you know, uh, Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin. And, um, I always say this part and I talk to younger people and they're not quite sure what it is, but there would be swimming 
pool in the parking lot with a chain link fence around it. And um, I know what and that I, is. Yeah, you're like, I got you, girl. I got you. Uh, um, and I would bring home the shampoos and make little amenities for my girlfriends on sleepovers. So I knew it was what I was meant to do. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to be a baker, but it was like, I want to be in the hospitality industry. So um, I was fortunate enough to get into Cornell University. They have a hotel and restaurant management school. One of the best and, in the world. Yeah, thank you. And I, I knew like, my heart was full. Like I just knew I was on the right path to do something, do what I loved. I loved my classes. I love what I was learning. And it was a really, you know, diverse uh, curriculum in that there was marketing and sure you had culinary classes, but you also had HR classes and classes on real estate. And so I was really getting a, a business degree of sorts, specializing in hospitality. And when I graduated, I thought, I just want to work for, you know, best in class hospitality companies that are still founder led. And this is in the, um, early mid nineties. And so my first job as being a good Midwest gal went back to Chicago and worked for the Pritzker family for Hyatt hotels and um, was there for a few years and then um, got recruited to house of blues when house of blues came to Chicago. And that company was founded by Isaac Tigret, who founded um, hard rock. And he was still the CEO of the company at the time and um, learned a ton there. And I just was like, craving knowledge of best-in-class companies. And then after there, I worked for um, Richard Melman and Let Us Entertain You at, um, again, back in the day, mobile five-star restaurant called The Everest Room yep. and learned everything about, you know, wine and, you know, what all the silverware is for and and booking big fancy parties and, um, and moved a lot around in my career and yep. found myself in... San Francisco working for Ian Traeger Hotels, another great hotelier, when also when Ian Traeger was still involved in the company. And I thought, God, I was always reporting into male executives, which was great. I had wonderful mentors. I wouldn't change a thing. But I noticed that a lot of women around the age of 30 left the industry because it was just nearly impossible to have even thinking about starting a family, at least to learn have a date on a Friday night, right? Because you were always working Saturday, Sunday, late nights and early mornings, you go home, come back to open up the restaurant for brunch, et cetera. And so I was like, man, why is there not a business model around women having progressive careers in food service without having to give up making a choice between having a family, getting married or going on a date, right? Um, and doing what they love. And so my mind started ticking around, like, what business would that be that that women could um, find their footing and, you know, sell to where they want to without having to make those choices? So that was one piece. And then the second piece was, at that time, desserts were highly composed. So it was when the um, my best example is the pineapple upside down cake. It's like the cake was on one part of the plate. And then we, you pineapple, literally right? was yeah. talking about this the other day. I was talking about the Art Smith pineapple yeah. hummingbird, yeah. like, yeah. right? Like yeah. that cake. I was yeah. telling someone yeah. about this cake yeah. the other yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it's, yeah. So it's like, I don't like, I just never got that. Like why we would take the whole cake apart. Right. Or banana cream pie with the pudding separate from the bananas just like made was illogical to me. <laughs> and, um, and I don't believe that, you know, rose water has any place in, you know, a snickerdoodle cookie. So 
we were out to dinner one night and um, the, the ice cream of the night or the gelato was peppercorn. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like, again, pepper does not belong in ice cream. I'm like, this is like crazy. And I said, I just want dessert like my grandmother's made for me. And it was a bit of an aha moment, right? Because um, my partner at the time, and still now he said to me, he's like, wait, you have like, you have those recipes, right? You have all those three by five cards and the little tin cans, you know, I've seen them in the house, like you have the recipes. And from there, it just started rolling. So I I took so many notes and I have so many questions, but I want to get into first and foremost, like how you built the business. So it got rolling. So what does that mean? Like what, what did that entail? Because, you know, taking an idea and then making it happen are like two totally ends, different ends of the spectrum. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like, what really happens in between is where a lot of founders get hung up or they can't, they can't bridge the gap. Right. And so how did you bridge the gap? Like what was the next step? Yeah. So the first step for me was to put together a business plan and make sure that it was a financially viable model. Right. So like, what do I need to do? How many cupcakes do I need to sell on a Saturday? How many sheet cakes, you know? And I, I, um, very intentionally worked at the plan backwards from saying I would need to make this much to pay rent to be in this neighborhood because I knew we had to be in a neighborhood that had, you know, moms and strollers and dogs and schools and, you know, where everybody was doing their daily activities. So I knew I wanted to be in a a nicer neighborhood Um, and work backwards from there. So put together a business plan, kind of like the why behind it. And the why behind it for me personally was honoring my grandmothers and women of that generation who could not even, wouldn't even believe today that I started a business um, based on those recipes and honoring today's, you know, modern woman, modern mom, or, you know, just modern woman who wanted to have a job and not that she loved and not have to, um, you know, not be able to take yoga in the morning or not be able to put her kids to bed at night or you name it, whatever somebody wants to do. So that was the 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 premise of my heart in it. And then, you know, just from a practical sense, I said, there's really like a dessert deficit on the West Coast. It was just, there really was, there was nothing. There were like a lot of ethnic bakeries, which were super great. And a lot of super high-end wedding cake places and we you know, cake for your wedding for $10,000, $5,000, whatever. But there really wasn't anybody baking from scratch with butterflower sugar eggs um, on site. That was like a real. Uh, well, I joked with you. Bef- yeah. I joked with you before, like I had to go all the way to California to get the right. cake that I wanted. That <laughs> right, right. was like really the basic. It was, it's a basic cake and everyone laughed right. because it's like you go to California to get like fancy smoothies or like right, right, right. cleanses. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm not cleansing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the cake and the cookies. So, you know, so, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. So the first location was Brentwood. It was Brentwood. Mm-hmm. And so did you find the location and you were like, I know that this is it. Yes. This, it, it was it like, I did. It was, okay. that was kind of, that was one of those definitely this is where we need to be. I looked at a lot of different real estate in a lot of different areas and when I saw that location, it was an old, old bicycle shop. And I was like, this is it. Like, I just knew like it had to be that location. And, and what I did learn in those real estate classes at college was that location, location, location. And I believe this to this day, if I did not get that lease, I would probably not be here talking to you because I believe you can be in the right city, in the right neighborhood, on the right street, but not on the right corner and not with the right co-tenancy 
and it doesn't work. Well, and your product is beautiful and it's very visual and like your branding is also, it stands out. And to your point, you need to be where foot traffic is to, to generate those, that kind of sale you know, yeah. those sales. I mean, if you, people don't see it, I mean, and this was, when was this in 2006? This was 2006, 2005, probably. Okay. So also I there. want everyone who is listening to yeah. remember that this company and the first location mm-hmm. started before social media. And that yes. is a really big thing as well, because your product is very visual. It photographs very nicely. You can see it everywhere now on social media, but at the time we didn't have that capability. And so you had to be in a place where there was foot traffic. There was just no option, Correct. you know, and obviously we'll get into how you've expanded, but, um, so when you first, you first launch, you first go in there, did you have your branding first and then you got the location or did you sign the lease? I was working on everything simultaneously. I was, um, knew what the company was going to be called. Um, my grandmother's called me Susie. It's, um, it's, you know, I wanted something that was retro, but still contemporary and not too kitschy. And, you know, I had a very clear idea of what Susie should look like. I thought my graphic designer was absolutely going to fire me. I was pretty sure. Cause I'm like, she should have pearls. No, she shouldn't. She needs heels. No, no one wears heels in the kitchen. Like we went back and forth and he's like, okay, you just need to decide what you want. Um, but so I was doing that at the same time. I was trying to raise money. And, you know, I think the first obstacle I came across was when I went to uh, the bank and thinking you just get a loan. Right. And um, you have a business model, you have education, you have experience. And um, I went to the first bank and was told, no, this is not a good idea. And it just was rejection after rejection after rejection. And then I went to the SBA who they exist to help small businesses launch. Right. And um, was told, no, Susie, um, baking is a hobby and you should probably stick with the hotel industry. You've had a really great track record there. So what did you do? So um, after all that rejection was like, okay, what are my options here? Like, I I need to do this. I I feel this is my calling, if you will. And um, had to go to friends and family. And really just start to, um, I, I printed out many, many, many copies of my business plan and I passed them out to anybody who would listen to me. And we really, um, I mean, I think it just broke people down because people were like, okay, she's just like really want, you know, <laughs> she really believes into this. Like, all right, I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm going to bet on you because I think you can make this happen. And um, it really, I mean, cobbled together um, money. We would take, I don't know. I think checks as low as, I don't know, $2,500. And, um, and so that first LLC had like 85 people in it because everybody had a little, little piece of the, the pie, no pun intended. And, um, but it was the, it was the only, the way. only way. The so only you way. open up the store in Brentwood, you open the doors, what happens? Um, I knew that the only way I could market because we had no money, no money after opening was to get the product into as many people's homes and parties and fundraisers as we possibly could. And so I would do 
anybody who came in the door, I'd be like, where do your children go to school? What church or synagogue do you go to? Is there a fundraiser coming up? Oh, you're involved in lupus. Great. Let me know. We will, we will cater the event for free. And people would be like, okay, great. This is a good product. Like great. Granted, nobody in LA knows it yet, but people were like, it's awesome. We totally will have you cater a party or bring in our Girl Scout group to get their badge or, I mean, you name it, you know, um, the school library, like giving out cards, one, you know, finish a book, come get a cupcake at Susie Cakes, like super old school grassroots, you know, down and dirty, whatever you need to do. There were days when people like, we'd have a couple dozen people come in the front door and I would go out to the, we were on a street called San Vicente, which is in the heart of Brentwood. And there's a lot of traffic there. So when, you know, five o'clock came or 445, I'd go outside with a tray of cupcakes and people in um, California are kind of skeptical of people being friendly, you know, so you'd walk up to somebody's car and they're like, you know, no, 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 I don't need anything. And I'm like, I'm not selling it. I'm giving it away. And um, I always kept hoping a news crew would come. Like, I'm that like, is your Midwest. Those are your Midwest values speaking. That's for 100%. sure. I'm like, where's the news crew? And so I'm going to be like, who's this girl on Sammy Sunday passing out cupcakes to people in traffic? But um, I did that and I would open the doors. You know, if someone came knocking on the door at 8 a.m. and we didn't open until 10, I'd open the door for them. I did, oh, we were closing. I'd open the door. Like I did everything to make um, every guest feel very valued. And what happened was, you know, just got into a few key homes in, you know, Brentwood and Santa Monica and, you know, that whole entertainment industry. And then before you knew it, then I had, you know, a celebrity clientele that were telling other people. And then back in that day, you know, you would send the picture to us, us weekly or people, people, right? Like in touch. Yeah. All that. Right. So that's how you do. And you literally sent it, right. You sent the picture. Yes. So anyway, it was, um, old school, but it worked. old school word of mouth marketing. Yeah. Yeah. It's December. And you know what that means? The holidays are here. And like always, dear founder and Lindsay Pinchuk, we are here to support you in all of your gift giving needs. Please make sure you head over to lindsaypinchuk.com for our giant female-founded holiday gift guide. And this year is a little bit different. Almost every single gift, 75 of them, are under $100. You're also going to want to make sure you enter to win an American Express gift card worth $250 to help you with all of your shopping needs this season. Happy holidays, everyone. So when did you see enough growth where you were able to open your second location. Yeah. What was your second location? Within it was uh Calabasas. And after probably after about six months, I knew we had something that was was taking off. And people in Malibu started saying, oh, it's too far to drive to Brentwood. We would really love <laughs> you to have something closer to us. I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like? You know? And looked into Calabasas, a lot of celebrities lived there as well. And Knowing that how hard it was to raise that first round of money, but now of course I had the location open, so anybody who wanted to invest could come see it, touch it, yes. feel it, taste it. And um, and I said to my partner at the time, I said, I just I, I don't want to go through this money raising thing again. This is like just a headache and a distraction from the business. I think we should raise um, enough money to open three stores because it, it mitigates the investors risk. So if Calabasas isn't successful, Manhattan beach will be like, it just, it yeah. makes it a little bit, um, safer for the investor. And, um, we have a lot of interest now, so we should capitalize on it. So then we raised enough money and it was certainly far easier once 
once we well, were you open. had a loyal right. following, yeah, yeah, had and a you had a you had a loyal following, and you had a significantly um, public following, like yeah, a, yeah. you know, yes, a prominent following, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yes, and so that you know, all of that helped and raised enough money. And about that, like eighteen months after we opened Brentwood, we opened Calabasas, and then closely followed by Newport Beach and Manhattan Beach. And, um, you know, I had no, we didn't have any, again, sophistic data analytics back in the day. It was kind of like, oh, this center looks good. And um, I'd sit in my car and I'd count cars and look at what kind of handbags people had and how many kids were getting out and how big but their you bags knew were. you yeah. knew the type of area where you yeah. needed to go you yeah. knew that and yeah. that yeah. you didn't and need see, research yeah, yeah. exactly that. exactly it was definitely, you just needed to see it around yeah. you and physically go there yeah. and make sure it was the right location right yeah so yeah so tell us where you are today how many so, locations and tell us about your other big part of your business. Yes. So we have 26 locations now throughout California from San Francisco all the way down to San Diego. And we opened um, a few years ago, our first state outside of California was Texas. And um, we chose Dallas because uh, here's a true story. It was the first uh, city we went to on a real estate tour about, you know, cities outside of California, Susie Case could be in. And the people here were so hospitable. I didn't go one place where people were like, where are y'all from? And what are you doing here? And, and people would like start handing me their cards, be like, let me know when you open. I'll buy gift cards for my teacher. Like people were so lovely. It reminded me of the Midwest. And I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. I don't want to see, I don't need to go any other cities. This is where, again, it was like kind of that, this is where we should be. So open Dallas. And now we have two in Dallas and one in Fort Worth. And we just opened Austin. And so we're going to continue growing out our brick and brick and mortar. But what we're really excited about right now is nationwide shipping. And I was adverse to that for many years because I thought, oh, well, first of all, who's going to order frozen cake, right? This is pre-COVID. Who's going to order frozen cake? How do you even ship a cake frozen? Like, I don't even know how that would work, right? And we have real buttercream. So like butter comes to room temperature pretty quickly. I'm just like, that just sounds like a disaster. And once we got into COVID, it was like, again, the like, sign from above saying, um, you should probably get into this, figure it out sooner rather than later. So we, we launched nationwide shipping after a ton, a ton, a ton of R and D. And I wish I had you on my list for that back in the day when I was sending test cakes <laughs> and see, like send me pictures, how, how destroyed it got from the UPS tossing it around in the back. Um, and yep. Yeah, so we're very excited about that. And I feel that that will expose us to more guests throughout the country and people who love us from the, you know, West coast and yeah. Their friends, you know, anywhere in the country and, and it'll be cool. Do you ship on your own? Do you have a third party? Like how does we do it on our own? Okay. I chose not to go um, with some of the um, companies that represent a lot of different brands because you end up branding your box with their stuff. And um, I wanted Susie Cakes, as I always have wanted to be this very premium um, best in class product and presentation so that when you do give it to somebody, not only again, is the cake really awesome, but the presentation is special as well. So, well, and you know. now it's not just people from the West coast sending. It's like now people like me who don't right, have to yeah. come to California, <laughs> right, right. I, can, I can order a cake, right? <laughs> right? It's, well, it's so funny. And I, I want to share, cause you said something in the beginning um, of our conversation, you said how like baked goods is our connector. And they can, you connect, they connect through celebration. And that's obviously your mission. Well, mm -hmm. I just want to. 
my story with Susie Cakes is that I used to come to San Francisco. That's where I met Susie Cakes for my first time in San Francisco and then later went into the Brentwood store. But when I was I was doing an event very close to your store on in like in the marina, what mm-hmm. street is it on there? On Chestnut, on Chestnut yeah. Street. Yeah. On Chestnut. And we, my whole team, we like died for the cakes and we bought a whole bunch of mm-hmm. cupcakes and, and everything and took them to our event and gave them to our clients. Like we were having a consumer facing event and we had our clients coming early to set up and we wanted to say thank you. And so to your point, this was like, you know, a love fest. Like we yeah. would see these people a few times a year and mm-hmm. it was like our way of saying thank you so much for supporting the business. And it became a thing that every time we came to San Francisco, we people expected it, right? I bet, and you bet your clients expected it. Yes. Yep. And it was only Susie Cakes. I mean, there was no, like that was what we picked up. And so, you know, that mission clearly you don't even need to educate on what that mission is. You know, it's like you have this product that is so yummy and delicious, but also so basic. I mean, it mm-hmm. really isn't mm-hmm. like, it's not anything complicated, but it's delicious and everyone loves it. And then everyone wanted to try, like we were cutting the cupcakes, like <laughs> let me try this one, let me try that, you know? So that is, yeah, that was like my entree to you. And it's, it's important to, to say that, you know, because it's like you, your brand does what it's meant to do. And it's not just about eating the cake. Yeah. You know? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. So, yeah. It's neat. Some, something else that you said that I love, and I talk about all the time, um, is how you offer to cater events for free. And I mm-hmm. want to just kind of relate this to our community who's listening, mm-hmm. because I often talk about the fact that you have to show up and serve, whether it's a physical product or whether it's showing up and giving information mm-hmm. so that you can establish your credibility. That's how I get clients all the time. And I have no problem giving things away for free. And when I started Bump Club, a lot of the brands who were working with us were not paying, but mm-hmm. I said, hey, send me a hundred bottles. I'll put them yeah. in the gift bags for you know, a hundred expectant moms. And that's a great way to get your product in the hands of this consumer. I'm not going to charge you. And guess what? Later on, those people became, those brands became paid sponsors of Bump Club. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you recognized that that was the way to do Mm -hmm. it because Mm -hmm. so many people, especially in LA, Mm -hmm. will not give things away for correct. Yeah. Do not want and and feels like it cheapens the brand. And but when you are starting, you have to start somewhere. So I'd love for you to kind of touch on that notion of starting somewhere because Mm. you you don't start at the top. Correct. Yeah. There is definitely this piece about um valuing every single guest and what's important to them, right? These, all these charities and their kids things, and that's important to them. Right. And I'm grateful that, that these guests are spending money with us and not only spending money with us, but choosing to have our pie on their Thanksgiving table or, you know, our Christmas cookies for Santa at their house or, you know, any, you know, again, name the occasion that I think that's an honor and a privilege. And so help, you know, helping do good things for those people who do good things for us and are are taking care of my team. Like it was, I won't say it was a no brainer, but it came very naturally for me. Well, and I think it's important to say that because I think a lot of founders have a hard time giving things away, but oftentimes they only have their product to give in order mm-hmm. to market it. And, right. and it's like, if they don't give it away, then no one's going to know what it is. Right. And it doesn't necessarily set a precedent forever. You know, it just, yeah. you have to start by letting people yeah. sample it. Right. Yeah. 
So another thing that you talked about is um, how women in hospitality around 30 were leaving and how you wanted to create a place where um, women could work in this field and not feel like they had to choose. And I commend you for that greatly. That was something that was very important to me with Bump Club was allowing moms a place to work where they didn't have to work full time or work nine to five. Like we had full time employees that had flexible schedules and then we had part time employees that that ha- they were on like a brand ambassador program that mm-hmm. they made what I called manicure money. But the yeah. whole notion of the way I built this business was so that women could work in a way that worked for them so that they didn't have to leave the workforce. So I'd love for you to touch a little bit about your environment at work and kind of what your ethics are and how you play up to this notion that you built, because it, it is different than working in a bar or a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how many of your team are women? Um, 80 plus percent. Yeah. Of all, in all stages of their life, right? So we've got young women who are just graduated high school and might go to a trade school for culinary or not. Um, women in their, you know, 30s who, um, you know, just married and haven't started their family yet. Women whose kids just went to kindergarten. Women in their 50s whose kids went to college. And so, it's, it's become a place where one, you can, it's an environment where one, we have very intentional, you know, days and hours so that it's never, you know, I think seven o'clock is the latest we close, right? Some stores six, some stores five. So that nighttime is right. It's, it's coveted ditto for, you know, holidays. Like we are closed. We're a lot of like, other retail, you know, if you're in a country club or a hotel or a Starbucks, work at a Starbucks, you're working Thanksgiving and Christmas and New sure. Year's. And all of those were closed. Um, we close um, for three days after Christmas because we're working so hard to get through Christmas. And so I knew again early on that it was important for people to see their family, but and to just have Christmas off and then rush back on the 26th. That's no break for anybody. So we closed 25, 26, 27 company wide so that everybody can go do what they want for the holidays or just stay at home and <laughs> binge watch, you know, Hallmark Channel. Um, so that's that's very intentional. We have, you know, offered, you know, part-time positions before a lot of people would even have part-time positions so that, you know, again, women in particular could have the hours that they needed to, to be at home with their kids and then also fulfill you know, their professional dreams at the same time. I love that you have created the environment that women can work and do what you loved to do and wanted to do. And then felt that, you know, that people had to make that choice because I, I hate that women feel they have to make a choice and to, to create something like this is really commendable. Um, it's, and it's amazing. How have you, made sure that you guys are staying true to your brand and to your values as you've grown, because that can be tough. It's, it's incredibly tough. And it's even more tough with all the, the rebel communication as well. So um, there's, there's a few things we do. One is we will always seek to seed a new location with somebody who's already been with the company in a leadership position for at least a year. Um, So we're looking for a general manager and a head baker who 
understand what the company is all about, first and foremost, because they have to carry the torch for, you know, what Susie Cakes is and what Susie Cakes stands for. Um, the second thing is I'm very involved still to this day in every opening. And I go there and I sit down with the whole team um, during orientation. And I tell the story I just told you about my grandmother's, about you know, my experiences um, in the hospitality industry as a woman, this was, again, that was all pre me too. Like no one complained about anything. Trust me, you'd get fired. But, um, you know, the things that I saw and witnessed when I look back at them now, I'm like, God, I like, I can't even believe some of the things that were said to me. Right. And it was like, you just kind of rolled with it and you had to take it. And so, I think women, at least, you know, who are 40 and older, remember those days. And when they come sure to Susie Cakes, it's like, awesome. I'm with all women. So I'm not going to get hit on and someone's not going to make some gross comment. And like, it's just kind of nice to know that, you know, it's a little bit like Disney-esque at Susie Cakes, which, you know, I, I assume, you know, from going in, right. That it's just kind of has this very, you can't feeling. help yeah. but go in. Like if yeah. you see or come across a Susie Cakes, <laughs> you're not going to just walk past the smell yeah, alone yeah, yeah, will yes. draw you into the store. Yes. Yeah. And then that retro blue, right? That, that was my yes. grandmother's Pyrex mixing bowl. So that's where we came up with the whole Susie blue is that it was like a nod to like that fifties and sixties era. And it's, so, it's- so I have three more questions for you. So you also said at the beginning, something really important when you were raising money that you said they bet on me mm-hmm. and you are the brand. We talked about this before I hit record. Susie Cakes is the brand. It bears your name. How much of the brand is you and how much of of, of your personal brand is invested into the brand? Do you know what I mean? Because a yeah. lot of times you have these two entities. You have your personal brand and then you have your company brand. And I know you have your own Instagram account and you have the Susie Cakes Instagram and that's intentional mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're not going to share your personal things necessarily on the Susie Cakes. Correct. Right. The cakes and the cookies, <laughs> right, but right. people want to know who Susie is. So right. talk to me a little bit about that and how that's worked for you. I, I know it can be hard to be the face of a company and I would love to get your perspective on it. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I put the name on the door because it had a sentimental um, meaning to me. And it was never about, it's about Susie. And I tried to stay in the background for m- most of Susie Cake's existence. And a few years ago, I don't know, let's say five years ago, once social media was became a thing and was a thing and was happening, my marketing team was like, look, like, we want to put you out there. I know you don't love doing this. I know this is not your gig and you'd rather always give all the credit to everybody else, but like you need to do this because you so like, important. You have a story and you care about women and like your whole existence is, is to do this. We want you to do this. And so it was against, I have to say, I remember what like the day that they like opened the Susie Sarah <laughs> Instagram account. I'm like, okay, I'm not really stoked about this, but we're going to do this now. Um, and they're like, trust us, trust us, people will want to hear it, you know? And, you know, I don't know, Lindsay, I just, you know, got to a I, place where I just accepted it and then kind of went with it and said, you know what, let's just have fun with this. And when I'm out to dinner, show people what I'm eating, you know, I don't know. I just, I still can't quite wrap my head around it. Of course. But I do want to come back to that comment that you said that they bet on you and that they bet on you. And I want you to remember that because the business wouldn't be the business if it wasn't you and what you went out and push to achieve because you so wholeheartedly believed in it. And so I, that's so important for everyone to hear. 
you know, you have to share, like you have to share yourself and you have to share your passion for things. If you want people to gravitate towards your product, towards helping you, towards supporting you. And you did that by sharing your passion. So what would your grandma say? Oh, it's always makes me tear up. Um, yeah, I think they'd be really proud. I think they'd be proud. proud. And I think they'd be just blown away by like to them. These were just like what they did every day. Right. It's crazy. It's Christ alone. I don't know. Do you think about that? All the time. I think about it all the time. How old yeah. were you and your grand when your grandma uh, passed away? They passed away in um like junior high and then um uh at college during college. Yeah. How does it feel to be bearing their legacy? Oh, it makes it, you know, it gives me reason to get out of bed in the morning sometimes, you know, that I that I have something that um the gosh, I just feel that. Uh, to be able to honor women who meant so much to me, who they created me, right? Like they, I am the person I am today because of the things we did together and the things we talked about and the things they shared with me. So it's just a beautiful thing. I don't know. I don't want to sound cheesy, but no, it's, it's, I, it's no, a lot I, to me. I mean, I, my grandparents meant a lot to me too. And I was lucky enough. I had two of them until 2020. Yeah. yeah. And wow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I feel very like connected to my grandparents as well. So I think that it's amazing that you have what you have. It's not just a business. It's not mm-hmm. just cakes and cookies and pies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the fabric of your life. And that mm-hmm. is so amazing and unique to a founder because it's not always like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I lied. I actually have one extra question. Okay. What's, <laughs> what's next for Susie Cakes? I mean, I know you're, I know you're focused on the na- nationwide shipping, but like what else? Like, yeah. are you, are you, you are going to open up more doors and yeah. focus on it? Is there anything else that we should know about? Because I want to make sure we know. Everything. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I have big plans for Susie, you know, whether or not she's, you know, becomes a you know, Disney princess, who's a working CEO, Disney princess, or, you know, is a Barbie doll or something that um, young women can have a role, have, you know, and young women have way more role models that, than I did as, as a child. That's, that's for sure. But I still sometimes don't think that they can see it. Like you need to see it to yeah. believe it type of thing. And so I think that the more, you know, this is shared about like how, A, how you, you know, can achieve the American dream, but also do what you love, you know, and be able to make a living doing it, I think is really strong message. So I want to just try to figure out how to get that out to more um, young girls. And I speak to the Girl Scouts and, you know, all kinds of groups, um, Girls Inc. and Girls on the Run and everything about girls empowerment and um, believing in in themselves. And I think they have a lot more self-esteem than certainly I ever did. Um, So parents are doing a good job on that. But, but, it's it's important. So it's kind of they're a, it's lucky a big to have. Forward. They're lucky to have founders like you who are willing to do that. Which you know, when we were little, we didn't really have that. Yeah, and yeah. even I told you when I started this podcast, like it was because I felt like I didn't have the support that I needed when I started my business. So yeah. that's why we share these stories. So 
And then my last question, this, okay. is, what I, this is what I had with everyone. So okay. I'm not going to extra one. Okay. Okay. But okay. my last question is what are three actionable tips that you would tell another female founder who's just getting started? Okay. Absolutely. Do not let anybody tell you your idea is a bad idea. Just push naysayers aside. That's number one. Um, number two is definitely trust your gut instinct always whether it's starting out or making decisions in the business, the data can say one thing that you should do. If you know in your heart, this is like not the right decision, um, then don't do it. So trust your intuition and make sure that you are being true to the reason you started out, like being true to your values um, because a lot of people lose their path once they start getting successful or, things in life change and they kind of forget about who they were. And so one of the values of our company is we remember where we came from. And for me, that's, that's everything. And, um, and not only it's like where I came from as a child, but like where a company came from with me passing out stuff on the street. Right. So it's, it's important to have humility and um, you'll be very successful if you are a humble person. Susie Sarich, founder and CEO of Susie Cakes. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your knowledge and wisdom, and also for being such an incredible example of what it takes and what it means to found a legacy business and one that has really just created such success and happiness for you and your being in addition to so many other people. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you. I hope that you loved today's conversation as much as I did. There were so many takeaways from Susie's stories and our conversation together. And as always, I will be sending them out to my email list. So you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe to the link in the show notes. When you do, you will also get a lesson each and every week to help you grow your own business from me. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's episode with Susan Sarich from Susie Cakes. Number one, if you have no money for marketing, get the product into as many hands as possible. Ask your customers questions. Where do they go to school, church, etc.? Find out where they are and make sure that your product gets into those hands in as many different hands as possible. Number two, don't be afraid to build a business that works for you and your demographic. It's okay to go against industry norms to build an environment you want to work in. Number three, if you have a retail or brick and mortar component to your business, be intentional with your open hours, your staffing regulations in order to attract the employees that you want. Number four, when you open new locations, have employees who have been with the company for a long time and who are aware of the company and your values lead the charge in the new location. And number five, if you are the face of your brand, accept it and roll with it. I'll be sending out the rest of my takeaways to my email list later this week. But for now, I want to say thank you again. Thank you to Susan Sarich from Susie Cakes for being here today. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening today and every single week. And thank you for making 100 episodes so incredibly special. I can tell you this. We have some incredible incredible guests on the horizon for Dear Founder. You're going to see a couple of really cool changes moving into the new year. 
We have a few more new episodes to drop in 2022, and then we'll be rerunning some of our favorite episodes and some of your favorite episodes during the holiday season. We'll be back with new episodes the first week of January when we kick off season two and the second year of Dear Founder. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for supporting me and for helping to make Dear Founder a huge success in our first year. Have a great rest of the week.